We turn now to the second scripture lesson found in the Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter, reading at the 14th verse. Listen to God's word. When the hour came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles with them. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup is poured out for you. It is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table. For the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that one by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another which one of them it could be who would do this. The word of the Lord. We continue reflecting on rituals as we move through Lent. This morning we look at the ritual of the Lord's Supper, like baptism. We are reminded that the Lord's Supper is not just a ritual. We go through the first Sunday of each month, but it joins baptism as one of the two sacraments we practice in the Presbyterian Church. There, of course, is lots we could focus on as we explore this ritual. In fact, some of you, well, probably no one does remember, but in November I preached a sermon on the Lord's Supper, and I brought out new material in case you happen to remember the stuff from November. There's so much to be said. But this morning I want to narrow the focus and think about the Lord's Supper as a ritual in which Jesus desires our participation. We do not do this ritual because it is part of our liturgy. We do not do this ritual just because it is one of our sacraments. We do not do this ritual just because of its powerful imagery and meaning with the bread as the body of Christ broken for us and the cup as the blood of Christ shed for us. We do this ritual primarily because Jesus desires that we come to the table. As Jesus tells those who gathered with him on what we now call the Last Supper, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He wants to share with them as they gather for this traditional celebration that takes them back to Egypt and the angel of death that passed over their homes as the final plague before Pharaoh released them from bondage. Jesus wants them to share with him as he explains how he is redefining the Passover meal. Jesus desires that they eat of the bread that will be his body broken for them. Jesus desires that they share the cup that will be his blood shed for them. Jesus desires they, we, come to the table. His desire is one of the distinguishing marks of the ritual of the Last Supper compared to what other faith tradition, tr traditions do. 
As Diana Bass Butler reminds us, wine combined with religion is nothing new. Since the beginning of human history, frenzied worshipers have poured out libations before their gods, often in great festivals resembling spiritual orgies. In these celebrations, people celebrated wine and harvest as they sang, as they played, as they danced in the streets. They hoped... They hoped that such ecstasy would please the gods and remind the gods to send them food and wine next year. But Jesus combines wine and religion differently. Not as a way for God's people to bribe God, but as a gift, as an invitation for God's people to receive new life a new opportunity. In fact, the Greek word we translate as take can also be translated as receive. So when we read the story and hear Jesus use the imperative, that is the command voice to take, it can also be the command voice of Jesus saying, receive. Jesus commanding us to receive this gift which reveals his desire that we come to the table. The church I served in Ohio was about two hours from Louisville, Kentucky. So each year as part of the confirmation process, we would take the confirmands and do an overnight visit to Louisville. We'd visit the Presbyterian Seminary there and then go to the General Assembly headquarters. We typically arrived on Thursday night, met with one or two uh, seminary students to talk about their call to ministry, and, and then on Friday morning toured the campus, met with the professor. One year the president came and talked to us, and then we would go to worship before heading downtown to the, the headquarters of General Assembly. Often the Friday worship was a communion service. Now that presented a bit of dilemma for me as the leader with six, eight, ten kids present. Although it was the Presbyterian Church's position that anyone, even children and youth, could come to the Lord's table, it was also tied to parents instructing their children and helping prepare them to participate in the Lord's Supper. And despite my affirming children were invited to the table, despite having classes for the children, teaching them about communion, several families, particularly when I was first there, heeded the previous minister's approach that you couldn't take communion until you had been through confirmation. So in the gathering for worship at the seminary, we often had kids who went to the communion table and some who did not. I solved that each year by telling the confirmands, if you take communion at home, then feel free to go forward. If you don't take communion at home, then why don't you stay in the pew because I really don't want you going home and saying, guess what I did with Richard yesterday. One year we had about eight confirmands. Six had been taking communion regularly. Two had never taken communion. I explained how that would work and they decided that they would show solidarity and none of them would take communion. No problem, except when I got up from the pew and walked out and began going down the aisle, I felt like people were staring at me. And I glanced around and people were staring at me. I was wondering what they were thinking, and then I realized they didn't like the fact that I'd left all the 
kids back in the pew while I went up for communion. My guess was confirmed when I was walking up the outside aisle back to the pew and a woman leaned over and kind of hissed at me. (laughs) You know in the Presbyterian church, kids can take communion. I really didn't have time to explain (laughs) what was going on. So I smiled and said, I know, which did not satisfy her. Now on the one hand, the woman didn't know the story. But on the other hand, she and those others clearly understood Jesus' desire for all to come to the table. Because Jesus desires it, there is always enough. Our ritual of the Lord's Supper grows out of a theology of abundance. abundance. There is always enough bread and wine. There is not a limit to whom Jesus offers Himself, whom He invites to the table. Jesus is enough for all of us and all we need. Jesus has enough. For all we need. The table points to the boundless God and God's bottomless appetite to share. There is always bread and cup for you and for you and for you. I finish with a story that comes from the first church I served in Kentucky. It begins with an upset ruling elder in my office. She was upset because she and her husband had been visiting another church for worship. It had been a communion Sunday, and they ran out of the elements. She was sitting in one of the back pews, and they did not serve her bread and juice. She was incensed, and on behalf of ministers everywhere, I bore the brunt of her frustration. It seared into my mind. Now, it might not have been the next month, but it was... A month close to that event. We have communion. I serve the trays of bread. Everything goes out, comes back fine. Then I take the lids off the trays. And the first tray seems about half full. The second tray seems about half full. I handed them all out and thought, well, maybe I just never noticed how, many, how few cups we sent out for communion. I hadn't quite figured it all out until the elders brought the trays back. And one whispers to me, we ran out of juice. I don't know what we're going to do, but I know what we're not going to do. We're not going to stop communion until all have been served. So I said, well, just go up and fill some more cups and come back. And so two elders left. And I turned to the organist and I said, let's sing Amazing Grace. And I told the congregation, we're going to sing an extra hymn this communion Sunday. And we sang Amazing Grace and all went well. Then they didn't come back. (laughs) So we went on to the second hymn. Now, it wasn't that big a church. They went up about two stairs into a room and that's where the kitchen was. Two hymns, they're still not back. And I'm noticing that the elder of the month is sitting in the corner of the front pew. 
The other of the month is the one who organized communion each month. And I'm noticing that each hymn, she's like getting lower and lower in the pew. And I'm, I'm not thinking fast enough, but I'm thinking something's going on that I don't know. And what I didn't know was that she had not checked on supplies and they weren't going to find any cups because there were no more cups to fill. So we're into the hymn, the third, third hymn. I still don't know what's going on. I don't know how it's going to end, but we're still singing. The congregation is, as you might imagine, they're kind of giggling, wondering what is going on. Fourth hymn. The elders appear. They march down the steps. They go right by, and I learned something. Did you know that the insets in those trays can come out? They're insects that hold the little cups, and they come out. I learned that because the industrious elders had brainstormed. When they couldn't find anything in this building, they said, Aha! We have a medical clinic that the church runs. In the other building, there's got to be something there. And they went and found some cups. And they had to take the inset because the specimen cups filled with grape juice... (laughs) didn't fit in the little slots. There was enough bread and juice for everyone just as Jesus desires. Amen.